Come one, come all, it's the Mental Game Podcast. Great to talk to you folks. Sam Brief with you from my home studio here in Chicago. And today's episode, I'm thrilled to go to the court, to the tennis court. It's a sport near and dear to my heart because my mom is, in my mind, a champion tennis player and really is a championship tennis player. And today I talk with a young championship tennis player, and that's from UT Austin, a Longhorn, Peyton Stearns, who at the age of 19 won an NCAA championship, was the most outstanding player for Texas, and then also a couple weeks ago earned a qualifying wild card at the U.S. Open. Yeah, that U.S. Open, like the one in New York, the U.S. Open. She, at the age of 19, got a wild card and went and played at Flushing Meadows. She ended up losing 6-3-4-6-6-3 to Harriet Dark of the UK. But for Peyton, it was a tremendous experience, right, for a 19-year-old to go to the U.S. Open. So between all the success she's had, the championship, the Open, obviously being good enough in high school, she's from just outside Cincinnati, being good enough in high school to get to Texas, Peyton's had a lot of success, but tennis is such a mental sport. I mean, one of the best books I read, and really one of the books that inspired this podcast, is The Inner Game of Tennis by Timothy Galway, in which, in my mind, he's using tennis as a metaphor for life. Tennis is such a mental sport. In singles, especially, it's you, the racket, the ball, and the opponent. It's not like a football game where you have a million moving parts. It's very simple, which means your mind can play a big role in it. And Peyton, in this podcast, has a lot of insight on what her mind's like when it's not going well, what her mind's like when it is going well, and how she tries to gear her mind towards that. Not to mention, the sport of tennis is very much in the forefront. Naomi Osaka, her situation at Wimbledon, and now taking some time off for her mental health, has become a hot-button topic in the tennis community. So we talk that, we talk Peyton, we talk all things mental game with Peyton Stearns from the Texas women's tennis team and recently of the U.S. Open. So without further ado, I'll let you hear from Peyton herself. This is the Mental Game Podcast with the great Peyton Stearns. Can you start by telling me about a time when your mental game was challenged? In NCAAs, uh, for sure. Um, First round team match, we played Ohio State, and that was probably some of the worst tennis I've ever played. And mentally, I was just like in a slump. Couldn't really get out of it. It was like super, you know, down. And I was able to turn that around and then just like absolutely obliterate the girls I was playing leading up to winning. So what was the feeling when you felt you were in a mental slump? Because I think that can look a few different ways. What was it like for you? For me, it was just like everything was going wrong. Nothing was right. Uh, You know, I didn't want to be out on court because of how bad I was playing. I just wanted it to be over with. Um, Just like super just down. Like, I look like I had just watched my dog killed in front of me. So you were taking everything 
really seriously, right? It wasn't just yeah. like, oh, I'm playing tennis. I love playing tennis. It's a game. It was like, this is life or death. I am horrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so how'd you turn that around? Because coming back from something like that, the whole dog death thing, it feels tough. Yeah. Um, I remember that night, I kind of just like isolated away, like was in my own thoughts. And we had two days before the next match. And I remember the next, like that night, I was just like kind of up a little bit late. And I was told myself, I was like, you just hit rock bottom tennis wise and everything. So you can really only go up from here. And I was like, just go out there tomorrow when we practice and just have fun. Like, I don't care if you're hitting the ball, whatever, like whatever you think is going to be fun, do it. So I went out and I like to hit the ball hard. <laughs> it's just part of my game. Very powerful hitter. And I went out there and I was just hitting the ball as hard as I could. Like I could not care less if it went in, out, whatever. Same with the serves. And I did that for two days. I was like enjoying it. Didn't care if the ball was going in, out. And then I went to play a match. I was like, I'm just going to swing at the ball. And I swung at the ball and I was making them. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> My guess, you said you didn't care if it went in or out. My guess is it went in a lot. Yeah. Right. Because I was just loose and feeling it and just going after it. And I'm not trying to like toot your horn here, but you're a really good tennis player. I mean, you are at where you're at for a reason. So to me, it makes sense. Like, hey, Peyton, just go have fun. Just go hit the crap out of the ball. And like, because you're a good tennis player, that's really going to work. Then when you get in your own head, that that's when you are actually holding yourself back, right? Yes, definitely. So what ended up happening in your next match? You said you were dog bleep against Ohio State, and then you went out. <laughs> Take me through the results. Um, we played Florida State that next match, and I was done with my match, I think, in 50 minutes. And I remember walking around after cheering on my teammates and the other the teammates who didn't play were just like, you're done. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Quick work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the girl wasn't bad or anything and nothing against her, but it was just like I was just out there for, like, playing my game and enjoying it. And then... Because I'm like I told myself also, you know, if I want to hit the ball in a certain spot, like if I feel like I want to go line, even if it may not be the right choice, I was like, just do it. Like if your first instinct tells you to do this, do it because you can live with that. Instead of if you change your mind and you miss it, then it's kind of more depleting. Have you read Inner Game of Tennis? I've not. No. Have you heard of it? I have. Yes. Yeah, you should read it because you're kind of preaching it right now. And I think a lot of that would really resonate with you. It's just the concept of like putting your mind aside and being like, you know what? My mind can only hold myself back. I just got to go hit the crap out of the ball. <laughs> yeah. So how did that feel to see the difference between Ohio State Peyton and FSU Peyton, where you're thinking you're in your head and you're not playing well and then you just kind of let it rip and even your teammates are like damn <laughs> um i mean it, it's always good to win of course but it's even better when 
you feel good about winning. Um, because growing up, you know, like my parents always preached, yeah, it's nice to win, but it's not about winning and losing so much. It's more about how you played and how you acted on court. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you win, you play really well and you act great on court, can't really complain about the match. <laughs> What's the feeling like for you to feel hamstrung by your own mind? Um, Like when I'm all caught up in my own head? Yep. I'd say it's just like a mess. Uh, we actually have a mental coach here at Texas and we had to draw a picture of what it looks like when we're in our own head or when we're not playing our best. And I remember mine just being like, like just an absolute like scribbles and X's and just like dead ends. Um, and that's pretty much what happens on court. It just feels like I keep hitting wall after wall after wall and just like can't get through. And eventually I just want to like quit. <laughs> what were some of your teammates? Um, I remember <laughs> one of them was she was going down a slide and she couldn't stop going down the slide. Like she couldn't stop herself. Just <laughs> like the world's worst slide. Yeah, and she just kept going down. She's like, it wouldn't stop. So she just kept going sliding on. Her. I'm trying to think what mine would be. I think mine would be like a do not enter sign. It'd be like, all right, you can't do anything. You can't keep going. You can't, you know, you can't get this done because you're all mentally blocked. Yeah, something like that. So yours was just this wild mess. You said you worked with a mental coach at Texas. Mm -hmm. What's that been like for you? How long have you been working with her? Um, it's actually him, <laughs> but him. he actually worked with him yesterday uh, for the first time this semester. And last year, we didn't really get to see much of him because of COVID, everything was online. So we would have some Zoom calls. So this is the first time I actually got to speak face to face. Um, I think it's it's great because it's almost like, you know, if something's bothering me on tennis wise, I just kind of like rant to him about it. And then he takes it and he helps me like get through it. Um, because for me, at least I'm, I don't get negative on court or anything. It's more so I get mad at myself for not doing the correct things. Cause I know I should be doing them. It's like, if I miss a ball and it's like the correct way, I'm like, I can live with that. But if I miss it doing something completely wrong, like I get very mad at myself. Like something wrong technically. Yeah, or just, like, strategically, too. So what's the difference in the feeling? Take me inside. Like, let's say feeling one is I win the point against you because I just hit a killer shot and you have no chance. And then feeling two is you messed up the shot and thus you lost the point. Um, feeling one, if I hit a winner, it's like we're, we're working on it. But I'm almost just like, okay, nice, like nice shot. Um, and then feeling too, when I miss it doing something wrong, it's just like, what are you doing? That's not the right thing. You know better. 
you should have done this. And it's just like spiraling down. So I'm curious what the, your mental coaches tips have been when, when you are dealing with that spiral or when you draw that, just, you know, cluster mess on the paper, any tools he's given you to work with that? Yeah. Um, box breathing is a big one, you know, after, after I miss it. And if I find myself getting a little upset, I just go back to my town and do like two or three box breeze and then go back up to the line and then just kind of be like, okay, I know what I did wrong. I'm going to fix it. What's a box breath? So you go in, so you breathe, you inhale for like three seconds, you hold it for three, then you exhale for three. And then you inhale for three, hold for three, exhale for three. And it's just to kind of like slow the heart rate down and let you kind of think clearly. Hmm. So you do the box breaths mid-match and that's, kind of slowing your heart rate down, settling you down. Mm -hmm. Did your heart rate get sped up a lot during matches? Like, do you feel yourself getting nervous at this point? And I know you've played at some pretty high stages. So I'm thinking more of, of those high stages championship in the NCAAs U S freaking open up in New York. Yeah. Um, NCAAs, I'd say I wasn't that nervous just because of I was feeling my game so much after Ohio State's match. But I played at uh, – before U.S. Open, I played at the Cincinnati Open, um, and I'm actually from that area. So I was put on the stadium court, and there was – the stands were just filled. And I remember walking out, and, like, everyone was, like, clapping for me. And in my head, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, like, there's so many people here. And – I couldn't hit a ball straight for the warm-up or the first two games, went down the O2 like that. And I remember I was like, okay, kind of got like caught up in the moment. I was like, wait, okay, go to your towel, do a little box breathing, did the box breathing. And I was like, you know what? Like just, just hit the ball, like play some tennis and kind of like was able to relax my mind a little bit. And then everything just changed from there. And kind of somewhat same with the U S open um, is actually a lot better. I uh, went out there, got a little nervous at first, did some box breathing, and I was like, I'm right here with this girl. Like, there's no need for me to be like, oh, my God, I'm at the U.S. Open. Like, I'm giving this girl too much credit. It's just playing tennis. It's just what you've done. Yeah, it's just there, tennis at the yeah, end of the there's day. There's such a valuable lesson there. Like, you're a tennis player. It's what you do. You're good at it. So you got to just be like, all right, play tennis. I do broadcasting. So if I'm, let's say I'm all amped up for a big game, it's got to be, all right, come on, Sam, you, you do this. Just talk, like, just do it. And for listeners at home, it's like, whatever you do, if there's something that makes you nervous, it's like, just do it. You, you got to trust yourself, right? Is, is that something that you ever say to yourself in your mind, like actually in your head, like trust yourself, do it. Or are these more subconscious thoughts? Um, no, it's usually trust yourself because, uh, as I said, like I'm a very powerful hitter and sometimes I pull back on it just to make the ball and then that ends up causing me to miss. So I'm just like, Peyton, like, you know, you can hit the ball hard and hit it in and like control. So just just do it. Like, go for it. Nike, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> You're a walking, talking Nike. Is, Texas is Texas a Nike school. They are. Yeah. There you go. Great. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't want to muddy the waters there if you were like Adidas or something. 
All right, just do it. Nike. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, Peyton, we've touched a little on the U S open. I want you to take me behind the curtain to the process of a 19 year old college athlete playing at Flushing Meadows. What went into that and how'd it go down? Um, I remember getting the call that I got the wild card two days before I was supposed to go down to school. And I was just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like I'm going to New York. Like this is insane. Um, flew out there. I honestly probably would have been a lot more nervous if I hadn't caught a stomach bug. Um, I was supposed to leave Friday morning at 7 a.m., caught a stomach bug at like 3 a.m. and was throwing up until about 1 p.m. that day and missed my flight. Uh, <laughs> oh, and so man. I ended up leaving the next day. Yeah. And I couldn't like, I couldn't stomach any food for like three days. And Tuesday was the first day I could actually, like, eat and felt good and had a little bit of energy. Played Wednesday. And it's just so tough to, like, base my match on how I did. Because the first set consisted of some nerves. The second set, I played a lot freely. I mean, like, I went up 4-1 in the second set, ended up winning that set. Third set, went down 0-3, brought it back to 3-all after I got a little bit of nerves. And then started going into cramp mode. Um, and I remember just trying and I was right there even while cramping. And as soon as match point finished, I just like went into full body cramps. So it's just like, dang it. So the nerves were actually subsided by the stomach bug. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've always found that when I, whenever I get like sick or something else is going on with my body. I feel like mentally, it's just like, I, I just don't overthink. Because hmm. I feel like I'm so worried about something else that it's just like, I can't worry about how I'm playing if I'm worrying about that I'm sick. That's fascinating to me. It, it almost, Peyton, reminds me of people thinking of like the Paralympics and, and people who have physical disabilities who actually, in some cases, are better than beforehand. I remember reading about a rugby player who was all national team, spectacular rugby player out in Europe, and in a freak construction accident, he lost his right leg. And it was a huge recovery for him, obviously, ended up getting a prosthetic leg, but it's far from easy to get your leg amputated. And most people assumed his rugby career was over, but he learned how to play without the leg practiced, worked for years, changed his technique, obviously, and turned out being a much better rugby player without that. And a big part of it was because he wasn't up in his own head because he was up in his leg, right? He was really focused on the technique. It made him laser focused. And that reminds me of what you're saying. It's like, you had to make sure your body was in check. So yeah, all the mental stuff sort of went by the wayside. It's crazy how that works. <laughs> Are you better by the way? You still throwing up? No, I'm all good now. <laughs> I, good. I guess I caught some bug that was been going around like that week. And I was, I was afraid it was COVID at first. I was very afraid. So I got tested like every other day in New York though. So I was like, ah, I'm, it's not COVID, but still. 
when you were in New York as a 19 year old bumping shoulders with all these pro tennis players, what's a lesson you learned from some of your elders? Um, for me, it's just like, personally, I learned that, you know, everyone here is human. Um, I mean, look at what happened at the U S open this year, there are two teenagers in the finals and it's just like, you know, anyone can win on any given day. Uh, cause everyone here at this level is good. So if you really just like, you know, put your stick in the ground and stick to it, you can beat anyone here. It's very possible. Everyone has a bad day. Everyone's all caught up in their minds too. It's, you're not the only one out there having these problems. What was the reaction for you, Peyton, and your teammates and being you know, very engrossed in the tennis community at what's been happening with Naomi Osaka, right? And, and her situation at Wimbledon, not speaking to the media. And then now Naomi's announced she's going to take some time off, focus on herself. Being entrenched in the tennis community, I'm curious what the reaction's been. Um, it's been a little bit of both sides, you know, kind of like a part of it is, you know, the mental stress comes with the game a little bit, um, you know, and not saying like she's faking it in any way or anything like that. Cause it's, it's definitely a problem for her. Um, but you know, if the press is causing stress, you how are you supposed to play a tennis match if outside sources, you know, look at the men's final when Medvedev was playing, the crowd was just screaming during his serve. Like, how do you expect to get past that slump if you can't get through a press conference? But then another part is definitely out of respect where, you know, she sees the problem and why she's not doing well right now with her mental game. And she announced that she's going to take time off, which I think it's hard for a lot of players to just take a step and be like, hey, like, I need to take some me time and I'll be back soon instead of trying to push through it like she did earlier this year and kind of cause, you know, pull out of tournaments, um, not go to press conferences and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, like, do you know who Ashley Barty is? No. So she was world number one just a little bit ago. And she played tennis growing up and she, she quit for, I think, a, two years and she played rugby um, and then came back and then became world number one. Like she said, she didn't pick up a tennis racket for like two years and just came back on tour and destroyed everyone. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's just like she probably was burnt out from tennis and wanted to do something different and just needed some time off and then came back and was just like able to enjoy the game because tennis is definitely it can it's very like you tennis court tennis ball and opponent and there's not a whole lot of talking or social aspects to it what do you think would happen if you did that right now you said i quit two years off and then you returned what would happen i honestly don't know um I think it'd take me a little bit to get the rhythm back, but I think I'd, I'd be able to play pretty well. 
maybe not be world number one, but <laughs> eventually. Eventually, yes. Peyton, when you are on the court and you mentioned with the U.S. Open and the crowd, how does the crowd affect you? You know, if you've got a loud crowd or no crowd, what sort of role does that play in your perception of the match? I think it plays a pretty big part um, because at the U.S. Open, there were no fans allowed for qualifying. So it was my coach and my mom. And then my opponent had like a group of three people there. So it's just like, you know, there's no other noise. It's very calm. It's like you're playing just alone. And then take Cincinnati, for example, where everyone in the crowd was cheering for me except maybe five people. And that's tough on the other player's end because it's just like I hit any good shot or even if when I lose the point, the crowd would be like, come on, Bane, like, it's, let's go, let's go. Like, even when she would win points. And I mean, I feel like that's just very tough, especially let's say if you're not feeling the ball that day and you're playing someone who's the crowd is for, it's hard to get over. Um, like I was watching the men's final and it's just the crowd did not want Medvedev to win. And it was very apparent. <laughs> it's interesting you say that because, I've spoken with some athletes who sort of take the opposite viewpoint where they want to be on the road, right? They love that road warrior, you know, shut up the crowd. You seem like the other side. Like you you enjoyed the Cincinnati match because everyone was for you. Mm-hmm. It just feels like a great support system kind of behind you. And it's very fun. Like when you win a point and the crowd's just like, yes. And you're just like, I like I feed off of that. That's interesting because I mean I, I'm I'm not much of an athlete. I've never had a thousand people for me or against me. I think I'd be more like you though. Uh, we like we're humans, right? We like to be wanted, so it, mm-hmm. it would make sense that you would want that. Um, Peyton, what percentage of your performance let's say and and performance can mean really anything under the umbrella of tennis what percentage of that would you attribute to what your mental state is at the time of the match i'd say 80 percent for sure um because when you get to a certain level everyone's everyone's fast everyone's strong everyone can do these things on tennis court it's just who's able to just zone in and stay and play that way the whole time zone in i've read a lot about being in the zone and the flow these are almost scientific terms now that feeling of flow have you felt that before where you just zone into the absolute max yeah a couple times and you just like feel like the balls of watermelon out there like you're just seeing it like it's huge (laughs) i like the idea of hitting the crap out of a watermelon (laughs) peyton tell me the number one way you hope to improve your mental game moving forward um i just want to be able to you know include more positive reinforcement in my game as well as be able to keep 
staying in the zone longer because um, I'm able to do it for, you know, I used to be a roller coaster as a junior with my mental game. It was like really good, really bad, really good, really bad during a match. And now it's a little bit more like this, but I want to be able to just like stay steady the whole match and then maybe have some ups and then go back down to like the mid level and never go down before like below that level. Like the world's most boring roller coaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little easier. And as someone who has roller coaster phobia, I like the sound of that. Peyton, you, you said positive reinforcement. Incorporate more of that into your game. What, what does that look like? More so when I hit a good shot, it's not just an expectation that I should be hitting that shot. It's I hit a really good shot. Like, that's really good, you know, kind of pumping myself up somewhat similar to how I feed off the crowd. I kind of need to feed off, like feed my own ego a little bit on court. Cause I can, I can hit some unbelievable shots off both sides. And when I do that, I should kind of be like, let's go. Like that's, that's a great shot. And kind of just get myself up and going a little bit. That's a great attitude, right? You gotta, I feel like the way the world is now, when you're really good at something, it can be easy to just set that as the expectation. And like, if you do something really well, you're doing your job. And then if you mess up, you got to be on yourself. Well, what about if you do a good job and just giving yourself a pat on the back? Like that's not cocky. That's not egotistical. It's just being like, Hey, good job. Yeah. Be kind to yourself. So Peyton, you want to, even out that roller coaster, get more positive reinforcement. You keep me posted, all right? All right. <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming on, Peyton. Thank you. Awesome pod with Peyton. Big thanks to her for joining and hope you enjoyed. Back here in the studio, I love the message she left us on, that positive reinforcement. So I'll challenge you, challenge myself, I need it. Let's positively reinforce, right? Whatever it is in your job, whether you, let's say, lead a meeting and do a good job with it or just show up and are proud of yourself for showing up because you woke up and felt like crap, positively reinforce. Like, tell yourself, hey, insert name here, good job. Like, you need to give those mental pats on the back. I don't think I do it enough. You probably don't do it enough. And frankly, our society just doesn't do it enough because... We see it as egotistical sometimes, right? Think of that big braggadocious guy. Yeah, I'm the best. Like, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about just rewarding yourself. So treat yourself, positively reinforce. We could all learn a thing or two from Peyton. So that was a great time with Peyton Stearns, again, of the University of Texas women's tennis team, an NCAA championship, a wild card berth earner at the U.S. Open, and we'll certainly root for Peyton to keep that roller coaster steady and keep the good times rolling down in Austin. So this has been another Mental Game Podcast. I'm Sam Brief, and I will talk to you soon. In the meantime, positively reinforce, be well, and take care of yourself. Adios from Chicago.